I don't think I'm telling you anything surprising when I tell you this morning there is a crisis in the home today. There is a crisis in the home today. Today the home has become distracted. The home has become distracted. Our homes have lost their God-given purpose and, and our homes chase after the world's priorities and so our homes look like the world's priorities. And being distracted, we have lost sight of God's plan for our homes, God's intent for our homes. We no longer know what a Christian home is supposed to look like. We no longer know what a Christian home is supposed to do. Our homes today have become distracted. Now, not only distracted, but the home today has also become distorted. It has become distorted. The home no longer serves God's intent. It no longer looks like God's design. And if you look around today, that's easy for us to see. Honestly, today, our culture today can't even define a marriage. And if you try to define a marriage, it's, it's called intolerant and it's called unloving. And the, the home today has become distorted. It no longer looks like God's design for the home. And maybe worse than all of that, the home today has become dismissed. It has become dismissed, meaning this, it is no longer deemed as necessary today. As of 2014, 51% of children born in America will be born to unwed parents, and most of the hardship of raising those kids will fall on the female. 75% of adults today at one time will have cohabitated. They will have lived together outside of the bond of marriage. One article I read calls it the new normal. More people are cohabitating than are marrying in a new generation, and that is not God's plan. Of those who do marry today, 51% will end their marriages in divorce. And so the home today is being dismissed. It is being counted as unnecessary. And I'll just tell you, it is plain to see, and I'm sure it's no surprise, we have a crisis in the home today. I believe that grieves God. I believe that grieves God, and I think that ought to bother us. And as, as I think about that, and as I consider God's word and God's truth about the home, and I, I see the damage that we're causing to our homes, and I, I see the heartache that we're doing in our homes, I come and I start to ask the question, so then what do we need today? What do we need to happen today? What do we need in the home today? And as I think about that, I start to, to build a list, and I think, you know what? We need our homes to commit to God. We need our homes to decide for God. We need men to stand up as the leaders in their homes and to, to serve as the spiritual heads of their homes. And, and we need the church today to, to teach and instruct on God's plan for the home. And we need a movement of God in the home today. And we need a revival in our hearts today. And I, I think about all these things that we need today. And yes, we need those things. But I've come to this conclusion this morning and listen to me very carefully this morning. What we need today is for the presence of Jesus himself to be in the center of our homes. We need the resurrected, risen Lord Jesus to stand today in the center of our homes. That's what we need. 
And when that happens, then the other things will fall into place. Well, friends, it may seem ambitious today, but from God's word today, I'm going to show you how that will happen. We need the presence of Jesus to stand in the center of our homes today. I'm going to show you from God's word how that will happen. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me for a word of prayer as we begin our message today. If you'll join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for you and we're thankful for your grace and your mercy. We're thankful that you love us, that your love's not conditional upon us and things that we do, but, but that you have a plan, that it's an eternal plan and it's for our redemption. It's to cover our sins that we might be reconciled to you. We're thankful for that. We come today and I, as we look at the home, I'm thankful that you established a plan for the home. Forgive us where we've been off track, but now help us to repent, to turn and to submit to the plan that you have for our homes. I pray today that you would speak to us. I pray that you would lead us. I pray that your living and active word would, would convict us and bring us to conclusions that we cannot carry on in the same manner. Pray that today would be a supernatural event. I ask that your spirit would freely move and work and enlighten these scriptures. And I pray that today we would be forever changed on this day, that it truly would be a supernatural event. I tell you I love you and I praise you and I submit this to you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today is part of our family month focus, we're going to continue looking at God's plan for the family. And that's what we've been looking at this month. So far, if you remember, we've looked at, first off, the family decided for God. And we looked at those verses at the end of the book of Joshua, and we looked at the family that has decided for God. That was the first week. Then last week, we looked at the family dedicated to God. The fact that we have to give over dedicate our families to God. We saw that last week. Today we're going to see the family directed by God. The family directed by God. Today's truth is this. Once we have committed our families to God and once we've given over our families to God, we've dedicated them to him, we then have to, in our homes, Follow the directing of God. That's today's truth. Once we've committed our homes to God, once we've given them over to him, we then have to follow the directing of God. Meaning, it's not enough to commit our homes to God without following God's direction for our homes. Hear that again. It's not enough to commit our homes to God without following God's direction for our homes. Do we see that this morning? We can say, and a bunch of us have, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We can say that. We can say, God, you've blessed me with this family and I, I love this family and I now submit them to you. I dedicate them to you. But, but unless we follow his plan, unless we follow his direction, it will not matter. Those are just words. And so today, if that is the case, the question then is, so where in God's word does he direct us in his plan for our families? 
about a month and a half ago, I was considering this. I was actually praying about this message, praying about this sermon, and I was considering what verse or what verses set the course outlining God's plan for our families. Now, there's a whole bunch of verses that we could have looked at. We could have looked at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. We could have looked at the truth from that. I've preached a message on that. That could have been our verse. We could have looked at verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, verses about teaching in our homes the love for God, teaching in our homes the, the love for the word of God, and, and great verses that we could have looked at there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Those could have been our verses. We could have looked at verses in Ephesians chapter 6, and, and we could have looked at verses 1 through 4, verses that describe family relationships and verses that describe family duties. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord, and fathers, provoke not your children to anger. And those could have been our verses. We could have looked at those verses. But I believe there is a set of verses that lays out God's plan, God's intent for Christian homes. I believe there's a set of verses that, that makes it plain God's intent and his plan for Christian homes. And I'll just be honest with you, the more that I read and the more that I studied, the uh, more that I prayed, I am sure of it. These verses lay out, I believe, God's plan for our homes. I'm gonna ask if you would turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now listen as I read the verses. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, I believe the great commission of Jesus Christ is our blueprint for the Christian home. And I believe it's a, it's a promise that, that comes with a tremendous blessing at the end. And so I want us to look very carefully at these three verses today. Again, I believe God's blueprint for a Christian home. Let's begin by looking at verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Those are the last recorded words of Jesus on earth. He says in his last recorded words, All authority has been given to me. Now, where does he say? He says, In heaven and on earth. Basically today, he says, I rule over everything. All authority everywhere has been given unto me. Now I want us to see the magnitude of this verse. I want us to see the magnificence of this statement. I want us to see the majesty today of Jesus who says it. Now, it says here, as we read across it kind of flippantly, that Jesus came up and spoke. Well, I want you to understand, it's a lot bigger 
than that. I want you to get the full picture today. It was not just any man who came up and spoke. And it was not just on any day that he came up unspoken. So I want you to see today, on this day, Jesus, God himself, who had humbled himself 33 years earlier and come as a man, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, who is miraculously conceived and who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, who lived his entire life never sinning, the Bible says tempted in every way as a man, but never sinning. Jesus, who as the Lamb of God tells us that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the anointed one of God, that is the message of his earthly ministry. He confirms it with many, many miracles. Jesus, who 43 days earlier, as the Lamb of God and as the payment for my sin and for your sin, was beaten until he was not the form of a man who was whipped across his back, who was scourged and marched up the hill of Calvary. Jesus, who was mocked upon, who was spat upon, who was nailed to the cross there of Calvary. Jesus, whose blood had run out, the Bible says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus, whose breath goes out there on the Roman cross, declaring, it is finished, Jesus, who was pulled from that cross dead and placed in a borrowed grave. Jesus, who 40 days earlier from this day walked out of that grave alive, not as a spirit, not as a myth, not as a superstition, but alive. And the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Jesus stands And as he stands here on this day, watch this, listen to this. He stands as the risen redeemer. He stands as the exalted lamb. He stands as the victorious savior. He stands as the resurrected Messiah. And now he stands as the reigning king over heaven and both earth. And it is then that he speaks. Not just any man and not just any day. And then when he speaks, his instruction comes with that authority. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His great commission starts and he says, Go therefore. I think in our understanding it might be better to to switch the words around and say, therefore, go. Understand, we're to be active. We're to get with it. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, we're to go here and there and everywhere else. We're to go. Understand, we're not called to an inactive faith. We're We're not called to sit around and contemplate. We're called to go, to be active in our faith. And it says, go, be active, and make disciples. That's the work of a follower of Jesus Christ. Be active, go, and make disciples. Now, a disciple, in its simplest form, you could look at the context and and try to see that, but in its simplest form, a disciple is a learner. Christians are to produce We're to make disciples. We're to be and we're to make learners 
of the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We're to be a learner of the truth of Jesus Christ. We're to make other learners of the truth of Jesus Christ. Then it says, baptizing them. Now understand, this is a sign of a personal relationship of a person that's dedicated their, their life by faith to Jesus Christ. You baptize them after they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now I wanna tell you, this is very important here. There's a lot of people today and they won't say it, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it, listen to me. The goal of Christian discipleship is for people to get saved. Do you understand that? That's the goal of Christian discipleship is that, that people will get saved. The goal of discipleship is that we would grow in the knowledge of Jesus that we would point others and we would teach others of the knowledge of Jesus, that they might get saved and that they might then start the process of learning and growing in the knowledge of Jesus, that they would teach others about the knowledge of Jesus, that other people might get saved. Several people have said, you know what, Calvary Baptist Church, all they're worried about is people getting saved. Praise God, amen. That's the point of discipleship. Look at verse 20. First part of the verse says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now he adds to the great commission. He says, we're teaching them. Understand the work of a Christian, we're to teach the words of God and we're to teach the works of God. That's our work as a Christian. We're to teach the words of God we're to teach the work of God through Jesus Christ, his son. We're a, a teaching people, a training people, a, a memorizing people, a thinking people. It says, go and teach them the truth of Jesus Christ. Then it says, teaching them to observe, to observe. Another translation, instead of the word observe, says to obey, to obey. And I like that word better. Discipleship, listen to me, is not just for information. There's a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of, of, of biblical information. It's not just for facts. It's not just for knowledge. Discipleship is to train in obedience. Following Christ is about obeying the commands and the teachings of Christ. So see this. Our call as Christians is to make disciples that people would be saved, and after they're saved, they would continue to grow in God's truth, and that they would learn to, and they would obey God's word, and that they would teach that to other people, that other people might be saved, and that the process would start over again. Stay with me this morning. Get this this morning. Here's the deal. The most basic place for this to happen is in the home. Do you see that? The goal of discipleship is that we would teach the truth of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ, that people would find and receive Jesus Christ by faith, that they would start the process of growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would go out and lead others to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, the most basic place for this to happen is in the home. The best and most efficient and most effective place for people to learn of Jesus and to receive Jesus and to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Jesus Christ as in their homes. 
as Christians, our homes are to produce disciples. And in our homes, we're to talk about Jesus. And we're to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to model the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to lead our families to Jesus. And then we're to model and we're to teach them about obedience. And, and the primary disciple mechanism of Christianity is the Christian home. See that this morning. I'll just tell you this morning, I've been wrong. Sometimes I am. If I listen to some of the people, they tell me I'm always wrong. But I've been wrong. And for 10, almost 11 years now, especially my years at Calvary's, I've been a pastor. People come and, and they say, we see a lot of converts, but where are the disciples? People say, where, where are the disciples? How come people aren't growing as disciples? And, and people come up and they're usually well-meaning, but they say, what is your discipleship plan? And what is the discipleship method in, in your church? And, and they're talking about maybe it's a book or, or maybe it's a Bible study or maybe it's a series of events that promote discipleship. But they say, what is the, the mechanism of discipleship for you? About six years ago, and I'd been scrambling around trying to find the, the greatest and latest method of discipleship about six years ago, I started saying, it is the church. Well, what's the discipleship mechanism? It's the church. And I'd say, it's the church. And if, if you'll commit to the church and if you'll be active in the church and you'll participate in the church and if you'll come and if you'll study and if you'll hear and if you'll pray and if you'll serve, you'll grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, I truly believe that. But I was wrong. The primary discipleship method, the primary discipleship force is the Christian home. And the church is to aid the home in the effort. Parents, that's our job. Grandparents, that is our duty. Next week, we're gonna see the church and the home and how they complement, how they're both necessary. But understand, the Great Commission dictates for the Christian the priority of our homes is to direct our families in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might find Jesus Christ, that they might obey Jesus Christ, that they might lead others in the process. The home is the primary discipleship mechanism of Christianity. Come now and you say, well, we still have some unfinished business here today. Remember I said we need the presence of Jesus in our homes. That's, that's the answer today. I can't give you enough rules, enough regulations. I can't give you enough good intentions. I can't tell you what to do and then you go out somewhere and do it. We need the presence of Jesus in our homes today. That's the answer. Look at the last of verse 20. It says this. And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then see this. And lo, and behold, and take a look. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, in this effort, Jesus, his last words on earth, in this effort, Jesus promises to be with us. He promises his presence. And as we make disciples, he promises his presence with us. It is hard. It is tough. And I believe that's why it's here. He promises his presence. Get that promise today. Listen to me. If you want to see the presence of Jesus in your home, follow this course of action. If you want to see the presence of Jesus in your home, this is the plan 
for you to follow. And I want to tell you where you find a dad and he is leading to Jesus and where you find a mama and she is listening and she is living for Jesus. And when you find kids and they're learning of the truth of Jesus in that home, you're going to find the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let our homes look like that. Let our homes focus be like that. That Jesus himself would bless our homes with his presence. That's our hope. That's our answer. That should be our focus. Let's pray. Every Father, we come. Now I'm thankful that you have a plan for your family and and yes, in Ephesians, there's an order. And yes, we submit to it. And yes, in, in Deuteronomy, we have the, the love for God that we're to train in our kids and the love for God's word. And, and yes, we have the statement in Proverbs that if we'll train up these kids, it'll, it'll stick with them. But we also see, I believe, the plan for all Christians, but especially evident in the home, is our role to grow and make and build and encourage disciples in the Christian home. Help us to be dads like that. Help us to be moms like that. Help us to have homes like that. That our churches will be filled with disciples. That the world will be impacted by a church of disciples. That the glory of God would go out and they would see the good news. They would hear it because of disciples nurtured and grown in a Christian home. Forgive us where we've been off track. All of us, all of us. Help us to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, as of now, Whatever my home looks like, whatever condition it is right now, I turn and I, and I commit it to God and I give it over to him, but I also submit to his direction. Empower us for that. Use it for your glory. Come today and I pray that you've spoken to us and that you've led us. Pray that we're changed in the hearing of this word today and I pray that it would have an eternal impact. It wouldn't just fade out with the sound of my voice. Use it for your glory. We tell you, Jesus as our risen, resurrected Redeemer, reigning in heaven, King of all kings and the Lord of lords, who came and secured my salvation, I tell you I love you. And I praise you and I worship you. And I pray that in these years you be glorified through, through my life and through our life and through your church. We praise you and we worship you today. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.